Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Um, before I start, I just, I'm just going to pray because I feel like I need it. Oh, I'm on? Um, yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just love you so much. And we are your people and you are our God. And I just thank you so much for your gospel, the truths that we've been singing about this morning, that your son came down and died for us and that we can know you because of that. I just thank you for that truth that we can know ourselves personally and that we can live in that and have freedom from sin and the hope of eternal life. What a wonderful gospel that you have given to us as a gift. And Father, as I speak, I pray that you would uh, empower us to be able to share that gospel, that you would encourage us to be able to tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ. And that, Father, this wouldn't be about me speaking, but it would be about your church being mobilized for your mission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to move this slightly. Um, when Owen first said that, oh, when Owen first said that we we're going to do a series on evangelism, the first thing that I thought to myself was, "Oh man, I better start evangelizing. I better start getting some stories together because if I'm going to do a talk on something, I need some good stories to prove that I am worthy of the cause to be able to actually talk about evangelism. I need to, you know." go out there. So I've been trying my best over the last couple of weeks to actually uh, get a couple of stories together. Um, The other day I was doing billing at work where I have to sit down with a lady in finance and I have to go through all of the uh, billing and uh, she mentioned something about, oh, you have to work the weekend and I was like, I'll go to church on the weekend. You know, just (laughs) starting the ball rolling, starting the ball rolling, you know, getting in there. Um, and she was like, oh, well, that's cool. And a conversation kind of emerged. And she started saying that kids went to Catholic school. And I was trying really hard to get Jesus in there. And I was like, it's amazing. It's about forgiveness. And all, you know. um, it didn't really go anywhere and didn't get much billing done. And she, she actually got sacked. But it's a separate, <laughs> it's a separate story. <laughs> Nothing to do with the fact that I was wasting her time. So... But I don't know about you, when we talk about evangelism, the first thing that I feel is a little bit uncomfortable. I feel really uncomfortable that I am not a great evangelist. And I try and give the impression that I am. And, you know, I've got like three stories that I've regurgitated like 50 times to everyone in this room to try and prove that I have, you know, I've got the confidence to be able to do it. But actually, I feel uncomfortable. And I often make excuses. Um, because when I think about evangelism, there's a few things I think about. There's, the first thing I think about is I think about awkward conversations about evolution and stuff like that. At work, I'm just, you know, I, I don't know what to say, and there's some, like, really intelligent person just destroying me in front of everyone. And I'm like, Lord, Shekinah glory, you know, like, bring the fire or something, because I've got not, no intelligence, you know. Um, and the other thing I just think about is, is what I call the London Bridge guy. I used to work near London Bridge, and... My boss used to say, oh, I saw your mate this morning. And he was the guy standing on London Bridge telling everyone they were going to hell. And I just went, you know, you walk past him, like, come on. Like, try to push him in the wall. Because, because actually it feels awkward, doesn't it? And we, we, we make excuses, I think, as, as individuals when it comes to 
um, evangelism that we say, you know, that's not our gifting. I'm good at stuff. I'm good at, you know, prayer is my gifting or, you know, um, welcome. But actually, evangelism is not my gifting. That's for the people that are confident. That's the people that can articulate themselves. That's the people that have, you know, that, that thing about them. And it feels like we respond to God in the same way that Moses responded to God, which was, you know, I, I, I can't speak. I, I can't do it. And you just think to yourself, what a story, right? Moses in front of this burning bush that isn't burning, and the voice of God comes out. I, you know, you'd be mind blown. Come on. And, and the voice in the bush tells him to do something, and he, oh, he makes excuses. And that's what we do. But I think the reason we do that is because I think we overcomplicate what evangelism is. And we often hear, like, five points to effective communication. How are you going to culturally speak to the people in Brixton? You know, how are you going to engage with people in a certain way? And you've got all these different ways in which um, uh, we would speak to people that would be effective in evangelism, methods and techniques. But actually, the methods and techniques, they mean nothing unless they're founded on a correct motive and a correct understanding of what we are trying to achieve. In, in, in evangelizing. What are we trying to actually do? We are trying to communicate the gospel. Evangelism, the word evangelism is, is, is like the verb form, so the root word is just the good news. And it's like all it is is sharing the good news. It's not complicated. It's really not that complicated. And actually if we simplify it, it makes it a little bit more palatable for all of us to get involved because the commission is to all of us. It's not for the superheroes. It's not for those that are good at speaking in public or good that are at, at you know, or, or have a PhD or can, can um, know all about science so that they can write, you know, talk about science in that way. And what I've been asked to talk about is from Acts 1 where Jesus, um, he's died and he's rose again and he is, um, he's been with his disciples for 40 days and he's shown them many signs that he has resurrected. And his simple calling to them is, you are to be my witnesses. You are to be my witnesses. And it's simple. A witness just simply sees, and then he's able to bear witness and communicate. So there's two parts to being a witness. You see, and then you're able to communicate. You think of a court of law, you bring forward your first witness. All they need is to have seen and to be able to communicate what they've seen. It's really simple. So what I wanted to do, is my PowerPoint ready? I haven't got, I've got like two slides. <laughs> That's my, I saw that just because I Googled witness and that was what came up. That's branding. Um, but we are all witnesses and the idea of this campaign is obviously, you know, we are witnesses to the greatness of LeBron James, you know. And what it does is it brings in the fan to be, you know, we're a part of this because we are a witness of this splendor. But that's essentially what we are. We are essentially just witnesses of an amazing God with an amazing gospel. And that's all we are. And we're not superheroes that, you know, have all of these amazing techniques to be able to communicate it. Actually, all we're required to be is witnesses. I think I've been watching the, the program The Island. Has anyone watched The Island? Yeah, with Bear Grylls. Someone told me it was all fake, and I was just gutted, absolutely gutted. Um, but essentially, it's uh, these regular guys, apparently, put on an island, and um, 
they're just given the bare essentials to be able to survive. And then it, it strips away everything. You know, there are no computers, no electricity or whatever, whatever. And I kind of I was thinking about it, and I was thinking how actually it's a good like, analogy of what I've, how I perceived evangelism. I perceived evangelism as, you know, when I look at my life, I, I, I make up there's lots of necessities that I have. Necessities. But they're not necessities. I don't need this iPad. I don't need all of these things in my life that make up what I've currently got as my life. I don't, I don't need them. And, and you don't need all of these things like you don't need to be articulate. You don't need to have um, knowledge about, you know, any PhD in science or all of those things. You don't need those to be a witness. And what that does is it frees us to actually know that all of us can be witnesses. Because God doesn't accept excuses. God doesn't accept excuses. God has called us as a church to be witnesses, to share what God has done in your own life. And you know, each of us, I know a lot of you quite well now, you have testimonies of God's goodness in your life. You know, the apostles, they were witnesses of the actual resurrection. So when there is a sense in which when they talk about being a witness, you know, it's, it's that they saw that Jesus rose from the dead and they were like, oh my goodness. But we are witnesses of the power of the resurrection in our lives. You have a witness about what Jesus has done in your life. And that's all that you require. So the one necessity, strip back everything, the one necessity, I've got one point in this whole sermon and a good technique for pre presenting apparently is to tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them and then tell them what you told them. <laughs> so I've told... So I've told you what I'm going to tell you. And this is what I'm telling you. <laughs> the first point is, all you need to do is be a witness and know the truth. That's all you require as a witness is to know the truth of what you've seen. Next slide. Witnesses know the truth. And that kind of comes in two parts. The first part is knowing. Knowing. And that knowledge is, is experiencing, experiencing the truth. When I think about evangelism, I look at Peter. The reason I don't look at Paul is because Paul was incredible, and Peter was a screw-up, and you, know, it, you can relate to Peter. Peter just, all, all he did, the brilliant thing about the Bible is it documents Peter's screw-ups. And you read it, and you're like, oh, he did that too. Whereas when you read Paul, it's just like, oh, he evangelized Asia, you know? <laughs> You know, you, so, so let's leave Paul to one side for a minute and let's look at Peter. Peter walked with Jesus. He saw the miracles of Jesus. He, he was Jesus' closest companion. Jesus, our saviour, God incarnate. He walked with him. And then when Jesus died, some people asked him, were you associated with Jesus? And he denied him. And a second time, he denied him. And a third time, he denied him. He denied Jesus. He'd seen the miraculous. He had seen. He was the one who had the insight that God revealed to him that you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. He had that, and yet he still denied him. And Jesus rises from the dead, and it's incredible. And then there's an amazing moment where Jesus speaks to Peter specifically, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, of course I love you. He says, well, feed my sheep. 
And he says it again. Do you love me? And he says it again. And then three times, he's, he's almost illustrating to Peter, and it must have just dawned on Peter, I've denied you three times, but I've almost been accepted back three times. He has experienced the gospel. Peter knew Jesus. He knew the gospel. He knew the forgiveness of God. And actually, we know that. If you have, you know, I remember that we used to sing a song when I first became a Christian, and there was this song, and it was, oh, the joy of forgiveness. I used to break down in tears because I knew the forgiveness of God. I knew that I was a sinner saved by grace. And it was incredible. And I wanted other people to know it. When you've experienced that thing, it makes it easy for you to to speak to people about it. You speak out of your own experience. I was on a youth camp a little while ago. Not quite as classy as that one. Goodness me. I was a bit downgraded. Matt knows about the budget new life camps. Um, but we were on it, and I, I did a talk. And then afterwards, there was you know, a, a call to response. And uh, this kid came to me, and he was about 15. And he said to me, John, I'm, I'm losing my faith. I've known him for years, this kid. I've known him since he was about 10, and he's about 15. He said, I'm losing my faith. I don't believe in God. He said, why can't God, like, in, you know, in Daniel, when he wrote on the wall, why can't God do that to me? Why can't God just prove to me? And, and I was like, okay, all right. So trying to, trying to come back with some clever, apologetic argument for God. Trying to come back for some way in which I'm going to, you know, engage with his intellect and try and get him to turn around. And halfway through speaking to him, I almost had this moment, this dawning moment. The Holy Spirit convicted my heart and said, you know, there's something more here. It's not that. And I said to him, I'm not going to say his name. I said to him, you, you know that guilt and that shame that you feel after the thing that you do? Jesus died for that. And he nailed it to the cross. And you don't have to live in that guilt and shame. And he went, what? You know, because I'd just broken stride from doing some amazing apologetics. <laughs> and he was like, What? I said, you know, you know that guilt and shame? Jesus came to bring freedom for that. He was like, whoa. And he looked at me and he just started kind of laughing and awkwardly like, <laughs> and I said, I said, does that, you know, does that resonate with you? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I prayed with him and it was this incredible moment. He started laughing. You know how like back in the day people used to laugh in the spirit? I was like, he's laughing in the spirit. I don't know if he was laughing in the spirit or if he was just genuinely just amazed that he'd been in church all his life and he'd never really understood the cross. And that finally he'd, he'd got to this point. He was like, oh, that's what it means. He said, oh, my shoulders feel light. I felt like I was weighed down by this thing. This 15-year-old kid, he's like, it was incredible. And I got to share. But how did I get to share? I got to share from my own experience. I had known the guilt and the shame. I had known that after the foolishness of young men's habits, the guilt and the shame and the foolishness, and I had known freedom from that. And I was able just to communicate that to him. It wasn't clever. It wasn't impressive, but it was what he needed to hear. All you need to know is the truth of the gospel in your own life. It means that we can be confident in what we know, because we don't have to be confident in what we don't. There's sometimes, you know, in those conversations that you have with people, and people start bringing back questions, you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know. It's okay not to know. 
In fact, actually, it's a stronger argument for your case to say, do you know what? I just don't know that. But what I do know is that Jesus died for me. And what I do know is the peace that comes from knowing that I am forgiven. What I do know is that there is a hope and a future for me and that the Bible is true when it says that I have been called by God to be his son. And you know, you can experience that too. And I say that, that throws people because <laughs> they're like, yeah, but what about the dinosaurs? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the dinosaurs. <laughs> but I do know what I do know. And sometimes we back ourselves into a corner when we try and get involved in stuff that we don't actually know. And you know, I can point people to very intelligent scholars that will tell you about the dinosaurs. But I personally don't know. But I do know what I know. And I've experienced it. And I can have the conviction of a witness. I can have the conviction of someone who can communicate a gospel that I have actually experienced. The other thing is knowing in whom you've believed. Paul says, I know in whom I've believed. So it's not an abstract thing, the gospel. There is Jesus who died and resurrected and ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father who intercedes for us. It's not an abstract concept. It may blow your mind, but it's, you know, it's not just this theory that people can jump onto. It's this real thing that Jesus died for you. And you can know him. The whole point is to have this relationship with God. It's not so that you know the constructs of the gospel. You know, God is holy. You're a sinner. There's a gap. You need a bridge. You know, knowing those things is great in, in, in how you can articulate that to people. But God is holy. God created everything. This beautiful day. God, this real God who gives me breath, is holy and perfect. And the truth of my sinfulness and the reality that there was a man who came from heaven and died for your sins. Truth. And you can know him. I feel like evangelism is simply introducing someone to Jesus. Introducing someone to your friend. I hate introductions. You know, since I've been with Sarah, I have to introduce Sarah to everyone. And I don't mind introducing Sarah, but I hate introducing the other person because I always forget their name. <laughs> And I do, the, you know, the classic, I think we talked about this before, but the classic, when you introduce someone, you say, um, oh, you're old enough. You're old enough to introduce yourselves because you've forgotten their name and you don't want to admit to them that you've forgotten your name. And, or you say, Sarah, this is a really close friend of mine. Enjoy. And you just kind of, you don't say their name. And you're like, ah. Oh. Because I get a mind blank, you know, don't be offended because I could know you quite well, but I will still forget your name. There's just too many names. <laughs> But I never forget Sarah's name. <laughs> I never forget Sarah's name because I've got a close relationship with her. And when I talk about Sarah to people, I get a little bit excited. And people are like, oh, God, he's talking about Sarah again. Although, to be fair, you guys, the only thing, first thing you ask me, for me, where are you? First thing you ask me is, how's Sarah? <laughs> how am I? <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> I never forget who Sarah is. I've got this close relationship with her, and I want to introduce her to people because I'm proud of the fact that I've got a girl to like me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's simply what evangelism is. You know, you know the truth. You know the person of Jesus. You have this deep relationship that you have nurtured in your quiet times 
You have nurtured in when you, when you read about, you know, you've read about the life of Jesus. You've experienced the power of the resurrection in your life. It's easy to communicate that. It's easy to communicate what you know. It's really hard to communicate what you don't. And so our conviction of not have, feeling equipped to evangelize is not often because we haven't got the, the talent or the skills, but because we haven't got that nurtured relationship. And I, and I hope that brings conviction in your life. I hope that when I say that, it makes you feel a little bit awkward. Because the hope is that you will focus on your relationship with Jesus. That you will spend your time nurturing that relationship, knowing him, so that when you speak to people, it's simply just about introducing who you really know, my closest friend. I was on a, a CU trip for a school a couple of years ago, and uh, I, I, I did a talk, um, and uh, there was... A little girl came out, she's a sweet little girl, honestly the cutest girl you've ever seen, came out holding her friend's hand at the end of the talk and came up and a friend was crying, she was crying. I was like, oh no. (laughs) You know, not a good little girls, you know. I was like, quick, female leader. (laughs) Um, And she came up and she went, excuse me, John, I really want my friend to know Jesus the way I know Jesus. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I looked at her and I was like, I want to know Jesus the way you know Jesus. <laughs> she, she just got it, you know? She got what the whole thing was about. Like, it's just this simplicity, this childlike, you know, we overcomplicate it with, like, we have to be this scholar in order to communicate what it is. But she got it. I just want to tell my friend about the relationship that I have. And I was like, I was broken. You know when you're, like, holding back tears? You're not know, crying in front of everyone. You're, like, praying for these little girls and they're crying and I'm like I'm alright and it was just incredible and this little girl she had a relationship with Jesus she knew Jesus more than a lot of people I know it is a personal relationship and I just want to make this point which is an important point before I go into the next one which is you have that relationship through the Holy Spirit the reason why Jesus, when he said, I, when I leave, I'm going to send you someone, is so that you can have that ongoing relationship. The apostles, they knew Jesus. They, knew, they walked with Jesus. They had that relationship. But actually, we can have that closeness of relationship that they had with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, before you go out and evangelize, wait. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's a number of reasons. I mean, there's a whole different talk on the amazing, um, you know, the, the reason why the Holy Spirit came, the amazing um, gift of the Holy Spirit for, for, for gifts to empower you, to equip you, to give you the words to say. Um, but one of, the, one of the things that John says is that when the counselor comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will bear witness about Jesus. He will give you that closeness of relationship with Jesus. And we need to invest in our um, relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we can know the character and nature of God. You can't do a talk on evangelism without mentioning the Holy Spirit. You You can't be an evangelist without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can regurgitate some lines, but you won't have that power. And you won't have that impact that the apostles had when the Pentecost came and they changed the world. It ensures that the focus is on Jesus and not on ourselves. The second point, which isn't a prerequisite, in fact, actually, it um, is is the thing that we don't need. And that's the the second slide that I've got. 
These are good slides, aren't they? <laughs> That's it. Witnesses don't require qualifications. And I've made the point, but I'm reiterating the point because this, this is a simple sermon with a simple message. God doesn't use you because you're good enough. That's really important. I've been feeling a bit nervous about speaking in front of you guys. Um, I get nervous about how I sound. I've heard myself back and I, t- I hate my voice. And I get nervous when I'm at work and someone, you know, he's the Christian, ask him. I'm like, oh no, what, you know, what do I need to know? God doesn't use you because you're good enough. In fact, the, Sarah's um, uh, word of the day this morning for her was that God is strong in our weakness. And she sent that to me. I was like, oh, thanks, babe. <laughs> you're weak. <laughs> but it's important. It's really important. It's important to remember that actually the Bible tells us a few things. It tells us about the nature of God. It tells us about Jesus. It all points towards Jesus. But probably the main thing it tells us about humanity is that we're pretty pathetic. (laughs) And that should free us, not make us feel terrible. It should free us to know that actually in our weaknesses, God can do something with what we say. And in those times when you've evangelized and you've been sitting down, you know, you've walked away from talking to someone about Jesus and you're just like, well, they're going to become a Muslim, you know. <laughs> you know, you've, you've done such a bad job, you're convinced they're going to go for something else. But actually, God can work through you. The, the funny, one of the funniest verses in the Bible, the Bible's pretty funny, right? One of the funniest verses in the Bible is when, so the, the um, Pentecost has come, the Holy Spirit has come, and they have started being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. It's incredible. People are, you know, it says like thousands are added to their number all the time. And they're speaking, Peter and John are speaking in front of this, this council, and they say, um, they're speaking in front of all these basically posh people, right? In all the rulers and the council, or whatever. And they, one of the things it says is that the Pharisees, or the, no, not the Pharisees, the Sadducees, looked at them and said, they perceived that they were common, uneducated men. <laughs> Imagine you're speaking, right? And this is, okay, John comes up, he speaks, and he speaks the best gospel message he can. And in the audience, they're sitting there, I perceive that he's common and uneducated. <laughs> it's like the worst thing. That, but actually, you know, these, they spoke powerfully about the gospel. And it wasn't, you know, they were common. Praise God. <laughs> I was with some friends the other day, and they were telling me how common it was. I was I thought I was quite posh. <laughs> you know, it depends who you hang around, you know. That's why right, I've got some other friends that hang around to make me feel even more posh. <laughs> but, you know, we don't have to be a certain type of person. It makes me excited to hear that we're going to be listening to a guy who's, who went to Cambridge on Tuesday. And... Um, God bless those intellectual guys that, you know, can, can communicate in a way that just, I just can't and have the knowledge. And, they have, you know, that is a gift from God that they have got that knowledge. But, you know, that, that, that is not what qualifies him to be able to speak the gospel. His relationship with God qualifies him. It says in 1 Corinthians 26... And, uh, like, hear this. Imagine, you know, this is, this is a letter to a church, so I'm going to say this as if I'm saying this to your church. But consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. 
Not many of you. Not many were powerful, if any. Not many were of noble birth. No, no. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. You guys. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. You know, sharing the gospel, introducing Jesus to the world, is not about us. It's not about how great we look. And that's, that should make us feel great. That should free us. That should, you know, release us to, to know that we can all be... So there's two responses to that. One response is, um, no, actually, I am pretty good, so I'm not weak or foolish. Or Actually, God, you know, God needs to humble you. Because if you think you're great for the kingdom, I used to think, and I've said this before, I used to think, you know, when God gets me, <laughs> he'll be lucky, you know. <laughs> he can't wait to add me to his crew. He can't wait for me, you know, for me to come back to church and I'll be like, you know, I'm a real asset to the kingdom. No. No, no, no. God will bring us low. God will bring us low. And he will show us that actually he can use us no matter where we're at. No matter how educated we are, no, how, no matter how common we are, and you know, no matter how well educated we are, through our education, through how clever we are, or how posh we are. Nope. <laughs> it says that um, evangelism, evangelism is about the glory of God, and the analogy that it uses is that we are jars of clay. Jars of clay, pretty unimpressive, but we have this treasure. And the focus that we have sometimes is on the jars of clay. And do you know what I do a lot? I, try and I, I do like a lot of jar painting. I try and make my jar, this jar, I try and make it look good for people. So that I think, I think in some way, you know, people are going to buy into this kingdom thing. People are going to buy into this gospel thing because of this amazing jar. But they won't. They might want to come to church because, you know, you've made an effort. Or, you know, you, you, you've, I mean, let's face it, I don't know, I'm not going to say that. Ooh, that, was, that was the Holy Spirit, that was. <laughs> the focus should be on the treasure. This treasure that you have, and when you invest in focusing on the treasure, the thing as a witness, all you have is the witness of this treasure. You can have this confidence as a jar of clay. And you can be free to just be a jar. You know, I'm just a jar, but you know, I serve an amazing God. And I'm a son of God. I am. And I can be confident. I am confident, you know. I'm confident when I speak to people about God at work. When I focus on Jesus. I tell you when I don't get confident, when I'm feeling less confident is when I start focusing on myself. And I wonder how my perception of myself is going to be. You know, it might hinder my career. I talk about Jesus. I mean, come on, it's pretty out there. So the, the, the point is that there's a simplicity in evangelism. That we are simply called to be witnesses. And that the focus should be on our relationship with God so that we have something to witness about. All we do is we talk about what we've seen. I have seen in my life freedom from sin. I've known the joy of forgiveness. 
I've known intimacy with the creator God. I've known all of these things and I'm able to communicate that with other people. Not well often. But I can do it. And, and you know you can do it too. It's not, it's not specialist. My question to you is we've been doing a series on evangelism for how many weeks? Who speak, who's spoken to people about Jesus? I think the reason I've tried to is so that I can have some stories for this. <laughs> that's not that's a terrible reason. I was, um, I'm going to end with just a story about how amazing the gospel is. To, and then we're going to spend a bit of time praying and focusing in on Jesus and what he's done. I was in Nottingham a couple of weeks ago. I feel like I'm, like a tra- I'm traveling all the time at the moment. And um, I was in Nottingham seeing Sarah's parents and I was with Sarah for lunch and we were in this shop uh, where you have to wait around. So basically get you to, it's a brilliant shop because they get you to buy stuff while you're waiting to buy food. So you, you place your um, order and you wait for your table to be free and then you walk around and there's loads of like chorizo and stuff like that. It's amazing. Chorizo, cheese, bread, you know, my kind of shop. And uh, we're walking around and Sarah was like, oh, I recognize that lady over there. And she said, and I was like, oh, great. Don't care. <laughs> she says, I feel like we should speak to her. I was like, who is she? Like, why? Why did you feel that? I was like, oh, I just recognize her. I feel like we should speak to her. I don't know. I can't remember who she is. And then it kind of clicked. Oh, that's my friend from school's mum. I was like, great. Okay. And it's that introduction thing. I hate it. Um, so I came over. Um, we came over, we said hello, and I'm just standing there kind of looking around wishing I could eat some more chorizo. And, um, and she's introduced me, and I'm like, hi. I don't know whether to go for the hug or the hug or whatever. I just kind of stand back and just say, hi, I'm John. You know, I don't go for the shake or the hug. I just, no touching. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so Sarah's, you know, Sarah's felt led. Like, when, when I say she felt, you know, I feel like we should speak to her, it's not like... You know, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to her. And I know that, so I'm like, oh. Because when the Holy Spirit works like that, you know something is going to happen. And you're like, if you're not up for it, you know, it's convicting in your heart. Like, you've been there, guys, come on. When you feel like, oh, God's going to do something. And the Holy Spirit's calling me to do this. And you're a bit nervous. Like, oh. So Sarah starts speaking to her. And this lady's, she's noticeably broken. Noticeably. And she's speaking to Sarah, and she's just like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing okay. And Sarah knows something that I don't. Sarah knows that this woman had recently commit, committed adultery. She'd broken up the family, and her son is now very angry with her. Um, it was completely her fault. Um, and this lady didn't know that we knew. But she opened up, and she said, and she told us in the middle of this store, she said, you know, yeah, you know, I've separated with my husband, and you know, <laughs> you know, I've separated from my husband, and you know, you know, she, she, you know, I've cheated on him, and you know, my son is really upset, and the girls won't speak to me, and all this, and I'm like, whoa, this has got heavy. I'm not ready for this. And Sarah's there, and she's just like listening and being very gracious, and and. And then she starts saying, do you know, the church, the church has shunned me. 
You know, the church won't speak to me. And this is obviously her side of the story, but you know, it broke my heart. It broke my heart that this woman, she'd been caught in sin. She'd been caught in sin. She'd admitted it in front of us in this little shop, people that she barely knows. She didn't know me at all. She was obviously broken in it. She said the church had shunned her. And you know, I don't remember exactly what we said, but together, Sarah and I, we spoke the gospel to her. And we said, you know, in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. You know, there's stories of an adulterous woman that comes to Jesus, and Jesus, you know, go away and sin no more. Jesus doesn't let us off our sin. He dies for our sin so that we can be free from it. He doesn't just say, you know, fine, go on sinning. He says, no, 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 that sin that you've done, I've taken it. And you know, I, you know when you don't remember what you said, you know it's the Holy Spirit. It says in the Bible that the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say when you don't know what to say. We, between us, I, I, I believe the Holy Spirit really spoke through us to communicate the gospel to her. And this woman started crying her eyes out in the store. Crying her eyes out. Hugging Sarah. You know, I, I'm like, yeah. it's getting very emotional. But I was getting quite emotional because, you know, we were able to communicate this amazing truth that, you know, I have known the forgiveness of God. I know the gospel of God. And I was able to tell someone who had been caught in sin. And I was able to actually be the church to her. You know, evangelism is really important. Because we live in a broken world. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and to think about your personal relationship with Jesus and think about the freedom that you've experienced, think about the forgiveness, the joy of forgiveness what an incredible gospel that we have, think about those things and you know what if you haven't experienced those things you, you will not be able to communicate those things but actually you know I'm going to evangelize to you now. I'm going to share with you now that you can experience those things. The joy of forgiveness, freedom from sin, the hope of eternity, the peace that comes with the fact, the, the knowledge that your soul is, is held by God. Heavenly Father, your gospel is so incredible. The fact that you would die on the cross and take our sin and our shame and our guilt on your shoulders so that we could be free from them. And Father, as we, as your people who have known these things, as we think upon the cross, as we think upon the freedom that we have from sin and from guilt and shame. I pray, Lord, that that would be the fuel that would enable us to share that with others. That we would feel the conviction of a witness. That we would have the boldness of a witness. That we would simply be able to share what we have, which is this treasure in jars of clay. Thank you, Lord God. 
You are an incredible God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.